Well, we're going to wrap this series up next week, and if you missed last week, Pastor Josh just did a great job. I am a, a Bible-holic, and so very rarely do I hear a Bible study or hear information that is new to me, but last week there was a lot of new information, but more important, there was, there was great application, and just talking about how the plagues of Egypt confronted different gods in Egypt, and they are gods that we worship today. Maybe we don't worship a frog-faced God, but we worship the gods of happiness, of peace, and the things that those gods, they thought, that people thought those gods brought to them, and just how important it is not to chase these other things, but to chase after God himself. And, and seeing Pharaoh in his life, and how a crisis uh, plagues would hit Egypt, and, and while the plague was going on, Pharaoh would say, okay, God wins. We'll do it God's way. I, I give in. And then once the crisis disappears, then he hardens his heart and says, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I've seen that over and over again at our church. Many times when people first start coming to church, there's a reason, right? If they haven't gone to church in years or have never gone to church before, they, you know, maybe they came just because a friend invited them and and they just are curious, but many times there's something, there's a crisis, there's a plague in their life, and there's financially, they're about to go bankrupt, or, or there's a relationship problem, whether it's a divorce or a child or something's gone wrong, or there's been a diagnosis or someone has died, and, and all of a sudden, God has your attention. When the, when the crisis and the plague fa passes, don't go back to the way things were before. Don't, don't keep forcing God. There was a man after the first service, and he came up to me and he said, I've got, I'm in the plagues. And I said, well, don't. He says, but God's got my attention for good this time. And, and that's, that's just what, so what God wants for you is what I want for you. And so we pick up the story right as the Israelites are about to leave Egypt and um, pick it up in Exodus chapter 11 if you want to turn there and I'll go through some of this on the screen. Now the Lord has said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt and after that he will let you go from here and when he does he'll drive you out completely. And the last plague is killing the firstborn son of everyone who lives in Egypt. And that would include Pharaoh because Pharaoh fancied himself and was viewed as a god. And so the ninth plague was a plague of darkness. Their greatest god was the sun. And then they believed that Pharaoh was a descendant of the sun and either the greatest or the second greatest god in all of Egypt. And so this is God saying, even your mightiest, your Zeus, your, your, your mightiest god that you have uh, is nothing compared to me. And so... He says, tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. And so during the night, so then the plague hits, and the only way the firstborn son, how many of you are firstborn sons? There's not an older son than you in the, yeah. So the only way we would survive is if you took an innocent animal, a goat or a lamb, and you killed that innocent animal and you took the blood and put it over on the wood of the doorpost of your home. And so they knew this, and actually it says the Egyptians were favorably disposed. 
Uh, many Egyptians did this as well. Anyone who did that with the blood, would be their, their firstborn would be saved. And of course, this is a picture of, of what Jesus would do for us, how his blood, the blood of the only innocent man ever, would be shed to pay for our sins. So, so the angel of eternal death would pass over us as well as he passed over Egypt. And so that has just happened. Pharaoh's son is dead. And during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you've said, and go and also bless me. And the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave their country, for otherwise they said, we'll all die. I mean, they've seen almost everything they have destroyed. Livestock destroyed by hail. Their, their crops destroyed by locusts. The, the water that they thought they could, there was blood and they had to dig on the banks of the Nile to get clean water out. Of, and, and so they're like, and now, now their people are dying and they're like, just get out of here. And so the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. So they had to leave Egypt so fast. They didn't have time for their bread to have, you know, put the yeast in the bread, let it rise and, and have a proper um, bread made. They, they took the bread before they could put yeast in it. And this is why Every year for Passover, Jews eat unleavened bread. In fact, they have to clear their house in the week before of any leaven. So if you have a box of cornflakes, you either eat it or it goes in the trash. You got to get ready. No leaven in your whole house, no bread in your whole house for Passover. Why? To remember how quickly God delivered them from slavery. And that's why when we celebrate communion and we have the bread and the cup, remembering Jesus' body and blood given for us, we use unleavened bread. Again, to remember how quickly Jesus saved us. In one day, and he, he died on the cross and paid for our sins. And so the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Here's one of the things I want to just point out to you, and I'm going to, we're going to talk about two points, this Bible story. I want to talk to you a little bit about my story, and then my prayer is that you will leave here ready to write a new story for yourself. Um, but, but what we see here is God providing blessings to the Israelites that they don't deserve. Gold, silver, clothing, and they didn't even know that they needed this stuff, and particularly the clothes. They didn't know that because of their disobedience going forward um, that they were going to have to wander in the desert for 40 years. And they didn't know, but God knew that. And God was giving them clothing. God was giving them provisions for what he knew they needed that they didn't even know. And this is important. He provides blessings I don't deserve. The Jews were not saved out of Egypt because they were so much more moral than the Egyptians. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear. You keep reading in Exodus and Numbers, and you find out that these, these, they were not good people, right? And they were just sinners, and they didn't believe in God, and they didn't trust him even after all he did, and it was just complaining and whining. And, and at one, a couple points, they want to stone and kill Moses. I mean, are you kidding me? God didn't save them because they were good. God saved them because he loved them, and he chose them. 
And, you know, there's a lot of racial stuff going on in our world today. This was not a racial thing. In fact, if you read Numbers 11.8, you realize that anyone could have left Egypt, and they did. There were foreigners, there were non-Jewish people that became Jews that, because they said, I, I don't know much about this God, but he's the real God, and I'm going to leave Egypt, and I'm going I'm to trust this God and go with them by the thousands. In fact, if you were to go to Israel today, you would see black Jews, you would see Asian Jews, you would see Arab-like Jews, you would see uh, European Jews, just different, and, and the church today, the same way. You know, all over the world, um, it's not a racial thing. It's a God, God loves thing. And, and do you want to follow God kind of thing? Because he provides blessings I don't deserve. So he gave them gold and silver, and we find out jewels later as well, and clothing and all this stuff. What, what has God provided for us as Christians? You know, God saved us out of, I think, one of the best words that describes sin in the Bible is slavery because that's what sin does. It looks so nice and pretty and it looks like freedom, but then you get into it and you can't stop and it takes control of your life and you, you find yourself losing and, and, and giving up more and more for that thing that you don't even want anymore, but you can't let go of it. You can't stop doing it and it's come, got, gotten control of your life. Anger controls and destroys you and it, and it enslaves you to your own passion. Fear locks you up in bars. And, and some maybe are watching today and you're not leaving your house because you're afraid and, and you need to let, let, let God rescue you from your fear. He provides blessings we don't deserve. So Jesus saved us from the slavery of sin through Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. But he didn't just do that. He then blesses us beyond that by giving us the Bible. And if you're here today and you're like, well, I'd rather gold, silver, and clothing. <laughs> you know, that's because you don't understand how amazing a book this is. Do you know there are countries on earth today, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, some other Muslim countries, it is illegal to have this book. And people risk death and are even killed and are imprisoned for years for having this book but it is so precious that they risk it all just to read and get just pieces of it. And, and God's word says this in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so God's word, it just helps us. It's this bonus. Did we deserve God's word after Jesus saved us on the cross? No but he provides for us what, what we don't deserve. And then he also gives us the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit helps us understand. The Holy Spirit helps us obey God, gives us that strength, gives us peace, sometimes prods us in the right direction. Blessings that we don't deserve. The church. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. And, and again, this is so important that there are people, when, 
when I went with my daughter to India, I was talking to Shabu, and once a year they'd have this special um, annual meeting, and pastors would come in. Pastors would would get on a bike or or walk miles to the nearest train stop, then they'd get on a train and they'd take it over a thousand miles from the Punjab over to the state that they were in, and then they'd get off and then they'd, uh, someone would drive them to where, and they, they, they would spend literally days to get to this meeting to be with for the only time in the entire year that they were with hundreds of believers. And these pastors would, would just say, it was worth it. It was worth the trip. And what, what would they say to you if you said, yeah, I can do that every week? And don't, because it's just, you know, I have things to do, you know? And, and sometimes I think these wonderful gifts that God blesses us with, we don't appreciate them because they're so common. And there's a lot of things like this in the world. If it's, if it's common, it must not be amazing, and that's not true at all. In fact, trees are amazing. And, and you think about what they do. They take our car- carbon dioxide and somehow change it, recycle it into oxygen for us to breathe. And then they, their roots hold together the earth so everything doesn't get washed away in the storms and get into the ocean. And, and, and then on top of that, they're just beautiful, right? And if one color of brilliant green wasn't enough. Around here, it turns into a bright yellow or red or both or orange or, you know, and, and they live for thousands of years, some of these, some, some trees. And, and just on and on. They're, they're so efficient. They're solar powered, right? And, you know, God thought of solar power first. They're so efficient at transforming the, the sun's rays into energy that actually scientists were studying it and they said they're too efficient. It is scientifically impossible for them to be able to do this. And then they discovered that um, the, the leaves do something on a quantum level to transfer. I don't even know what that means, but it's just they're amazing. If trees weren't so common, I know that people would spend millions of dollars and travel thousands of miles just to get a glimpse of one but they're common. And so it's like not a big deal. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, he provides blessings I don't deserve, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the church, whatever, or I'm beyond that. That's like saying I'm beyond food, water, and sleep. Oh, that's so teenager. I don't need those things anymore. I'm a grown person. Like, you know, I, you, you are going to get sick. <laughs> you are going to, it's not healthy and this is what God has provided for us, and we need to avail ourselves to it. If you don't own a Bible, we have Bibles at the Welcome Center. If you know someone who doesn't have a Bible, take one. Ask whoever's at the Welcome Center, I need a Bible, I need three Bibles, they'll give them to you. Because God's Word is important. We need it to thrive. And, and church, this is why, and I'll talk more about my story at the end, but God's people have changed my life. The Bible isn't enough. The Holy Spirit even, I know this sounds like, you know, but God has given us all of these blessings and we need to take, take and avail ourselves of all of them. And that's why it's important for, for, church, for, for church to be important for us, not just once a month. Or I was talking to someone, I think someone in my family about, 
you know, we, we try to keep track of regular attenders and a regular attender, our definition is if you come one, if you come 12 times a year, you're a regular attender. And so that's what my daughter did. She laughed. She's like, oh, 12, that's not regular. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of average. So, um, but, but it's so important every week. I mean, sleep is something you need every day. Right? And the church, I think there's a rest, there's a refreshment, there's a, a, a refocusing on what is important and uh, blessings that, that we don't deserve. And the other thing God does for us is he fights battles that I can't fight. And he does that for the Israelites here as well. And picking up in chapter 13, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. And um, a lot of times, God takes us the long way around our trials. Like, why can't we just go from here and just get out of the trial and get out of, right? like, how come it's taken so long? And uh, my dad used to take shortcuts. And they usually took longer. <laughs> but he would avoid a traffic light. Just, you know, but God, God, shorter. Why did he go the shorter, why didn't he go the shorter route? Why did he take them the long way around? Not because he wanted to hurt them. Not because he wanted to make things harder. On the contrary, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. He knew, you need some time with me. And man, when you're in a trial and you have to depend, boy, there's time with God. I mean, I pray every day, but when things are bad, I pray a lot more, right? And I, I need him. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near pi Hararoth, between Migdal and the sea. They're in an encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. So tell them to turn back. So they're going in the direction they're supposed to go, the direction that looks like it's going to be success, and he says, turn around and go the other way. Turn back. And God does things sometimes in our lives and we don't understand. And, and we just need to trust him. And so Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army. And the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So the Israelites did this. And um, Pharaoh, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have, what have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? And didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, a lot of times with Bible stories, I think we don't really learn what it's saying because we, we know the end of the story. So some of you have watched the movie, right? You've read the script. You know what's coming. But not only did the Israelites not know what's coming, Moses didn't know what's coming. And yet he still says, it's okay. 
Did he know the Red Sea was going to be parted? No. He didn't know what God was going to do, but he knew God was going to do something. See, the Israelites, the 10 plagues, you know what that taught them? It taught them that God has 10 tricks. God can do 10 things. And they were going through the list maybe. Okay, he could bring locusts. That's not going to help. Or he could turn the Nile into blood. That's not going to save us. None of the things we've seen God do in the past apply to the present. And so now we're really in trouble. And I think we do that in our lives. Yes, okay, so God healed that person, but, but this is a different kind of disease. This is a different person. This is a different situation. Or God helped me through the death of that person I loved, but, but I, I can't lose this other person. This is different this time. And Moses, he didn't learn God has 10 tricks. What Moses learned from the plagues is God can do anything. And so he, he wasn't sure if there was going to be a sand tornado that took the Egyptian army out or the earth opened up. And, you know, but God was going to do a new thing. And he knew he could trust God. God fights battles we don't fight. God doesn't remove us from real life. He sustains us through it. I was talking to a woman just this week who was just struggling. She's like, I have these thoughts that come into my head And I used to never have thoughts like this. They're undesired. I don't know where they come from. They're awful. And every day is a fight. It's hard for me to get out of bed. It's hard for me to, like, it's just. And, And why doesn't God deliver me? I have prayed and prayed that he would stop this and that my mind would go back to the way it was before and that I would be cured And I would feel better, and it doesn't happen. Why? One of the things I said to her was, every day is a victory. You you have the, you got out of bed. Did you do what those thoughts told you to do? No, I didn't. I don't want to do that. That was a victory. You think it's a defeat. It's not. It's a victory every single day. And this is what God does. He doesn't remove us from life. All the Christians about two years ago disappeared from America because COVID was coming, right? And now that COVID's almost over, he can put us back into America. No. And and the way things are politically, God, why don't you answer my prayer and solve this problem and do this on a national scale and fix that over there and all this? No, God doesn't. But he wants to sustain you and walk with you through the real life that we have, that we're going through. And this is really true. This sounds really harsh. And I don't mean it to be harsh. I mean it to be clear. If you only trust God when you understand God, you don't trust God at all. Because if I trust God when I understand God, it's because God's doing my plan. And I'm good with God following me. But the moment... Those two paths diverge, and you're like, God, I don't understand. That's when you really are trusting God. And that's when it's most important to trust God. And and as we see in this story, as we trust God, we see that he always provides a way of escape. Now, I'm talking to believers today in this message. There are two groups in this story. There are those who are following God 
from all sorts of different races and, and tribes and, 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 and cultures. And then there's the Egyptian army who are not following God. And if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to save you of your sins, and, and you said, man, I'm going to follow you, God, if you've never done that, you are represented in this story by the Pharaoh's army. But if you have gone to God and, and, and asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord, then you're the Egyptians and this is tr- then you're the Israelites and this is true of you. He always provides a way out and a way to escape. And it might not be the way you thought, but it says Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Now God's given him instructions. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea, which is really crazy. Sin is crazy, right? How, I don't, how many times have you seen someone else sinning and you're like, that makes no sense. Why would they sacrifice all of this for that? And that's how addictions work many times. But uh, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion and he jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them and against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back into its place and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it. And the Lord swept them into the sea and the water flowed back covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. This is not a children's story, okay? This is horrific. And this is why it is so important that you are on the Lord's side. Because if you're not on his side, you're fighting against him, and that is not a good place to be. And he may be gracious and he may be merciful to you. He has been so far. But don't test him. But if if you're the Israelites, this is amazing. God made a way of escape that they never thought would have been possible. And this is what God says about us in our situation today. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Whatever temptation you're faced with today, whether it's fear or anger or lust or drugs or, or whatever it is, the approval of people, whatever, whatever really pulls at you and, and is this almost addictive drug that you just want more and more of or you can't stop or you can't let go, whatever it is, it's common. And I may not struggle with it, but millions of people have that same problem at that same strength. And this says, God is faithful. Again, this is a promise for those who have given their lives to God. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Alcoholics Anonymous, they do a great job explaining this. It doesn't say he'll provide a way out so that you can have victory and never struggle with it again. No, he says, so that you can endure that temptation. 
And I just want to talk to you a little bit about my life. Because for years and years in my life, I was an addict. And there was a sin that got a hold of me that I could not stop. And I tried almost everything I could think of. I knew the Bible. I, I, I was a Christian, I really believe. I, I definitely was a Christian. And I tried prayer. And I know pastors aren't supposed to say this. But me praying alone for my sin, for me to have victory over my sin, it didn't work. Prayer didn't work. I tried the Bible. And I thought, every time I'm tempted in this way, I'm going to read the account of Jesus' crucifixion and the brutality done to him for my sin. Surely, after I read about the floggings and the crown of thorns and the spear in his side, there's no way that I could, and I did. And I went right back to my addiction and right back to my sin. Immediately after reading, it didn't help. So I said, okay, I'm going to double down. I'm going I'm to do prayer and fasting. And I didn't eat for a day, and that didn't work. I didn't eat for two days. It still didn't work. So then I said, well, I, I just got to, it's like a good, you know, there was a good Bob and a bad Bob, and they were fighting. And I'm like, I'm going to show the bad Bob I mean business. Next time I give in to this addiction, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to physically harm myself, and that will show me that I mean business. And I did that several times, and that didn't work either. In fact, Galatians talks about that. It says these people with their harsh treatment of the body, they think that it has no help at all in reigning in our fleshly desires. So it's not helpful at all. Don't hurt yourself. I tried it. It didn't work. And I, got, I, I was like hemmed in. There's like the Red Sea behind me, the, the chariots. At, at this point, I, I was writing, I was dating Becky, and uh, I would write her. Every so often, I'd write her nice, nice, you know, lovey-dovey letters. But every once in a while, I wrote her one that was so depressing, she worried about me. In fact, that's, that was one of my prayers. God, if I will never have victory over this, kill me. I know I'm not supposed to do that myself, but I want to die. If, if I will never have victory, what, what am I living for? I'm an addict. I can't stop. Kill me. And then with my back against the wall, there was one thing I hadn't tried. And that was to tell anybody else that I had this problem. Because the only thing that I hated worse than this addiction was if people knew how weak and stupid I was. And so I got caught. And I was humiliated. And I hurt people. And God used that to set me free. And it's like he parted the waters. And I thought, I, I, I didn't know that there was another way out. And I think, how come he couldn't have done that earlier? But, you know, I wasn't ready because I hadn't exhausted every other thing that I tried. And I would have pulled back from it and lied more. 
and tried to, to cover it up and run. God wants to set you free today. I would not be surprised if the majority of those listening right now are enslaved and addicted to some kind of sin. Whether it's lust or fear or anger or pride or food or, or what, whatever it is. And the reason we don't have three or four Bridgewaters in Montrose with 1,500 people going isn't because people in Montrose, their hearts are hard. It's because we as a church, we're not free. And once God sets you free, and I've seen it in so many of your lives, you're set free. And I'm like, I didn't realize that person was kind of sad before. I thought they were normal, but now there's so much joy. And there's life and there's purpose and there's energy. This one man, I thought, man, I'd been thinking for years, like, why does he not do anything? Why isn't he jumping into ministry? Why, isn't he, why is he on the sideline? And then I found out because he was an addict and sin had a stranglehold on his life. And when God set him free from that, it's like a new guy. It was amazing. And his wife came and said, I don't know what happened, to him, but do, do, keep doing that. Like, whatever's happened in his life, man, this is a new husband I got now. And he was even a Christian before, but, but God wants to set you free. And once you're free, he will provide a way out, not so that you don't experience it anymore. I, I know. This is, this is something I got to be on my guard. And, and the temptations are much farther apart. Generally, they're much weaker. But every so often... It hits from, from the side and, and you didn't see it coming and you're like, oh no, I'm not going back to Egypt. Like I, I want to be free. And that is what Jesus has called each and every one of you here to. God will fight. He'll fight for you. But you have to follow him. Are you reading your Bible? Are you making church a priority, being with others, maybe small group, being with others? Are you, are you willing to tell someone that you need help? The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. I had a burden that was too heavy for me to carry, and I didn't want anyone to know. And you might have a, a similar burden today. And you just need, you just need, and it, it may be humiliating, but I'm telling you on the other side, you'll never regret following Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that um, what you ask us to do is not complicated. You don't need a master's degree or a doctorate. It's simple. Even Aurora, a little girl, knows what it means to follow you. But God, sometimes it's just so hard. Help us to trust you when we don't understand. Help us to follow you when, when it just seems like it's a dead end. Seems like it's a bad idea. And God, I just pray for this congregation online and here in this room that you would set us free. God, that you would give us a breakthrough that there be a breakthrough in our lives this morning. That there be a breakthrough as we go home this afternoon and next week. God, just, just help us to come to you broken. 
willing. And God, may, may you break through into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.